everybody. Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 97. I We are ever closer to 100. Uh, B-Pimp, how is it going with you? Can't believe we're almost at episode 100. We're almost at episode 100. This is A-Mets here. Um, I'm excited for this one. First of all, in our last episode, we talked about releasing our EP. And to our folks at home, if you haven't heard Whiskey Sessions 2, Another Sip, which is our hip hop EP, drop everything you're hearing, listening to right now and go listen to that. It's 18 minutes of pure hotness. Uh, but what we're doing with this episode is we're jumping back into the 1990s. We had talked about our favorite 1990s action movies, our favorite 1990s comedy movies, and now we're talking about our favorite 1990s TV shows. This list, so hard to put together. It's extremely hard. It was one of the ones where I have a big old list and I had to rank. Um, ranking was just as difficult. And I think my, I'll speak for myself. I think my list is going to be um, controversial. I, I second that. I, I mean, what I do with every category we ever do for these top five lists is I just write down every single thing that could possibly be on the list. And then I rank them. And sometimes I already know the number one going in off the bat. Not only did I not have any idea what the number one was when I started putting this together, I had no idea what would even be in the top five. And then I wrote down like 20 TV shows of all different genres. Not only were they of all different genres, but they were a mix of shows that either I actually watched in the 1990s or 1990s shows that I now appreciate more. It was really hard to put this list together yeah it was very, extremely difficult and i think it made me appreciate how wide ranging and in deep the 90s were with tv shows definitely at first i was like oh i can only think of a few shows i was starting to write down like sitcoms and like there were some good 90s sitcoms but like not too many of them were like oh this will be a pretty easy list to put together and then i thought about it like a couple of cartoons then i thought about some uh, sketch shows and I was like oh the 90s had some good sketch shows too and I was thinking of game shows like oh shoot and then all of a sudden my list was just unwieldy yeah but um, I'm sure our listeners at home they probably have a bunch of 90s shows that they liked as well before we do get into that though I have a whiskey to try and it's a scotch we haven't had a scotch in a while we haven't had a scotch in a while so I'm curious uh as to how this one is it's called hm the king it's a blended scotch whiskey product of scotland i wouldn't want my scotch any other way it's 40 percent alcohol by volume not a ton else to say about it on the back it says hm the king private collection is a classic blend of four single malts together with grain whiskeys from the highlands and the Speyside areas of scotland now, I am a geography major, but honestly, I couldn't tell you much about the geography of Scotland. I've never been there before. Here's an interesting part, though. It's imported by Branded Spirits Limited, San Francisco, California. Hey, hey. So that might explain why uh, I saw this one in the store. And uh, it, clearly, it's it's since it's brought in here, then uh, it makes sense that it made its way to Oakland. I'm trying to figure out where exactly in Scotland this is made. I do remember hearing the space side is like the good scotches come from there. Okay. That's good to know. I don't actually see an area where this is distilled. 
I don't know if that's, I find that troubling or not. It's a secret. We'll see. I feel like it's a, tell me what you think. I, I can't tell if it's the bottle. Does it seem kind of on the reddish side to you? Yeah, it does. It's a little darker than I normally expect. Yeah. All right. I'm opening the bottle. I've got it at this point. I would say it's a mix between on the rocks and neat. Nice. It's on one very small rock. <laughs> uh, so I'll give it a quick sip. Got it in my normal glass. One very small rock that just like the very small rock it came from in Scotland. Exactly. Giving it a sniff. Hmm. I wonder if Sean Connery had it. I, I wonder that too. It has a, I will kind of, a, by the way, spot on Sean Connery accent. Thank you. Thank you. I thought for a second, I was like, well, where did Brian go? <laughs> and how did Sean get an invite to this? I know he, he's notorious for crashing pods. <laughs> yeah. He's a pod crasher, pod crasher Connery. Yeah. Um, the smell is, I don't want to say it's anisey. It's more like, I don't even know. It's, it's a, it's an odd smell. I can't, I don't have the words to describe it particularly well. So I'm just going to go ahead for the taste and see how that is. I can appreciate that. The taste is, it's a punch. Wow. It's coming with a lot of different angles. I often find that like, uh, sometimes scotches taste like you're just drinking a normal whiskey and smoking a cigarette at the same time. Yeah. Or that it's like a normal whiskey mixed with weeds. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's not very smoky. It is a little bit earthy maybe. Yeah. And I think that was the smell I was smelling like some type of dirt. Yeah. yeah. So far it's on point for a scotch. <laughs> so it's a little, it's got some dirt uh, aspects of it. Um, I'm going to give it one more sip. While you're doing that, is there anything to the redness in the hue that you saw? Is there any taste that matches that? Or do you think it's just a color no, thing? I think this doesn't come from the redness, I don't believe. But um, it has. it does have a tiny bit of anise taste. And I'm not sure if that's actually anise, but it's like between the dirt and the anise, I would say the redness actually could be a rust. Wow. Because it does taste metallic. There's a lot going on here. Not all of it is great. <laughs> I would say almost none of it is great. Yeah. Honestly, I don't, I don't hate it, but it's like, what is it like? It's like when Dion waiters is driving the lane and you, you're like, kudos to him for going for it, but this is probably not going to end well. <laughs> and he it, essentially what this whiskey is is like Dion waiters driving the lane going in getting his shot blocked funny but it probably had no chance anyway and he's just hoping to get the foul call but the ball is in like the second row of the stands that's kind of the vibe i'm getting i'm gonna say though it's not uh, it's not the worst scotch i've had and i'm not sure i generally even like scotch that much um so maybe that's like kind of not fair to this particular one. I just feel like it's trying to do a lot of things and I commend it for trying, but I'm going to give it the boot. I mean, with when the words um, rust, earth and dirt are like prominently featured in the review, I was kind of thinking it might be a boot. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the dirt part and the slight anus part don't bother me that much. I actually that part, if it if it was mixed of those two things plus like a good body and 
then I would be okay with it. It's the rust part and then the metallic aftertaste that I don't care for. And I'm always going to like kill a whiskey that gives me that metallic aftertaste. Yep. We got firmly booted. Yep. So HM, the King blended scotch whiskey is getting the boot. It's off the throne. Yep. Sorry. Um, we have to be honest with our listeners. We have a lot of whiskeys on the smooth train. So please, I mean, listen to previous episodes. If you're wondering what whiskeys to get, there are a ton of them to get. I'm just saying, got to be honest. Don't get this one. All right. We are talking about 90s TV shows. So I know there's so much to cover with this one. Um, I'm not missing anything before we go on, right? Do we have another? No. Okay. No, we're good. So without further ado, let's get into it then. These are our top TV shows from the 1990s. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, BPM, what's your number five? My number five is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's one that I stayed up late when I was a kid and snuck into my parents' room where there was a TV to watch when they were out. It's Beavis and Butthead. Ooh, great pick. I don't have this on my list. I didn't really think about it. What did you like about Beavis and Butthead? I love the stupid stupidity of the humor. I love how, how simple the premise is and how repetitive it is, and yet how it's like endlessly entertaining to me and i loved that they showed a lot of heavy metal music videos during the uh portions where they're watching videos and that also is like one of my favorite types of music so for me it's just a great mix of things that i like i think if if i'm being totally honest i'm not sure i've ever seen a full episode of beavis and butthead although i did see the movie but i know the movie is kind of like just formatted differently than the tv show is how much of the tv show is them like is like actual like scripted animated show and how much of it is music videos you know i don't have a good sense of the percentage breakdown but i want to say it's roughly half and half like usually they it's like segmented like they'll watch a couple of videos and then it's usually not the full length of the video it's like you know a couple minutes from it and then they'll be out and about doing whatever nonsense but i, I would i would estimate it's roughly half and half i mean when you think about it that way it's like such an interesting concept to do a show like that yeah i think it's because he knew that the strength was just the like them being dumb and not necessarily like them interacting with the town they live in so it was kind of like i i I like it i think it really works that way yeah it kind of makes me think a little bit about like the dynamic of like mystery science theater 3000 yeah like how much of it is going to be like intro parts? How much of it? How much of it's going to be the actual movie? Like in the case of that show, much more of it's the actual movie. But it's just like an interesting concept of a show that way. Are there any other shows like that now? I don't know that there's ever been another show where like, unless it is a mystery. Sci- I mean, Mystery Science Theater did have a lot of host segments. I think they call them. But like, it was very clear that that show was about them riffing on a movie like Beavis and Butthead is pretty much just a split of like a plot. And then just though, I don't know that there's been another show like that really. Yeah. I don't feel like there has been. Um, all right. My number five is an entry that I wouldn't have put in even four months ago, but I, I, I did this time because it's a show that's been on Netflix and I just realized how much I liked it. And Maggie and I ran through the, all the episodes that they have on Netflix pretty quick. And it, by the way, isn't enough because they only had 15 episodes of the show on Netflix. But it's the 1990s edition of Supermarket Sweep. 
Yeah, that's a that is a wonderful thing to put on when you have when you want to watch something, but you don't necessarily want to like get invested and you just want to enjoy it. It's great. Yeah. So many things I like about this show. First of all, the the episode selection they have on Netflix is funny because it's like they have 15 episodes, but they're not they're not like 15 episodes in a row. It's like a weird selection from, I think, like three or four different seasons. And every time the host and his name, he's got a kind of a funny last name, but it's like Dave something. David Ruprecht. Ruprecht. And it sounds like Dave Brubreck, like the jazz musician. (laughs) Very clearly not a jazz musician. But um, every time he says like the all new supermarket sweep, like I think after four years, you don't need to call it that. Yeah. He'll always say like, it's because there's more ways to win money. And He's a funny host. The The way the show is paced is extremely awkward. It's yeah, like it's a- everybody. It's it's like very tightly paced, like more so than it should be. Um, and I'm hoping uh, I haven't seen the Leslie Jones version yet. I'm guessing it'll be like a little bit different and hopefully it just like flows a little better when she is the host. But it's it's really odd but just the concept of the show i like so much and i i remember watching it as a kid too and thinking it was just like the best idea for a tv show ever just like going in and just uh just like grabbing as many things from the grocery aisles as you can it's fun to watch as a time capsule too because you can see like what brands stuck around and which did not yeah uh and it's also kind of hilarious too because by today's standards for the amount of money that they win it's like extremely low yes (laughs) and i'm glad you mentioned the pace because the word that comes to mind i'm going to remind like remind the listeners i love the show but the word that comes to mind is jarring (laughs) Jarring? yeah i would say it's part jarring and part manic it's like very weird I've never seen a show where the contestants look more stressed out than when when they're like, okay, now you have to run and go find this product. And they're like, he's like yelling at them the whole time. It's, but it's amazing. He's yelling at them. My favorite part of the whole show. And like, well, it's not my favorite part, but it's just ridiculous is he will like have that get to know the contestant part, but it's so rapid fire and odd. It's like, why even ask these people who they are? No one cares it's like everybody talks about themselves for like literally three seconds. It's very weird. There's a lot of episodes on buzzer from the early nineties. So if you have Amazon, you can find them on there. I think that's a tip. Um, Thanks. uh, And I've been watching a lot of those and he does some, he asks some questions that are shocking. Like he will (laughs) not in the fact that they're like rude or anything. It's just like somebody will say, Oh, he'll be like, how do you know her? And the person will be like, it's my sister. And then he'll go, who's older. It's like, (laughs) who cares? (laughs) Who cares? Who's older? I just can't. I just, I love that show so much. Cause it's like, why the production meetings must've been wild for supermarkets. Yeah. And also because they only show 15 episodes on Netflix and it's like throughout a few different years. You also notice like the host Dave himself looks a little bit different throughout and Maggie and I theorize that he got some type of surgery around his eyes, like maybe halfway through. And we also notice, and I don't know if this was notes that he got from the producer or what, but in the last few episodes, I'm assuming the last couple of years of the show, 
before it was canceled. He's just louder and more intense. Yeah, which is not what I need from him. No, no. I needed him to tone it down a minute. Matt, yeah. like, get yelly. It was very, it's funny, but it's such a great show. I love this it. This should be a Supermarket Sweep podcast, but I have one more tidbit. That guy, David Ruprecht, guess what he does now? He hosts the live stage version of The Price is Right in Las Vegas. Maggie was telling me that. That's amazing. That's yeah. exactly what he should be doing. I know, it's great. Um, and I had heard, and I don't know if it's actually, it happened or not, but I had heard that he wanted to have a part in the, the new version, like maybe as like the narrator or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I also noticed that the the guy from who is the the uh, announcer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Who does the commentary when they're running at the end? It is the same guy from Jeopardy, right? I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, and he's given so much more to do in the supermarket sweep because when yeah. they actually do the sweep part, he's like talking nonstop for three minutes. I know it's great. I love when he's like talking about, Oh, and she's stopping to get those honey baked hams or like whatever the hell it is that they're selling. And I'm sorry. If you ever in the supermarket suite, stop to grind the coffee, you're an idiot. Yeah. What the hell or ever or the frozen yogurt. Like go get some hams. You idiot. (laughs) The hams. (laughs) Um, All right. That's my number five. What's your number four? My number four is funny enough, Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> nice. So obviously I like a certain type of show. Yeah. Um, but it's, I just love that show. Uh, I've been recently, there's a person on YouTube who has done the Lord's work, which is he buys VHS tapes of the Comedy Central airings of Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes in their entirety with all the commercials from the oh. early 90s, which a lot of people probably think I'm insane, but I just love watching and seeing the kind of insane stuff that was on Comedy Central in 1991, like during their commercial breaks. It's especially during this time where we're all in the house all the time. Like that has been such a good thing to, to watch is just these old episodes of the show. I love that show so much. That's well, because I'm guessing you get to see weird old products, but you also probably get to see funny like Comedy Central promos. Yes, it's great. And like, what were they airing? Like a show that was on so briefly briefly that I had no idea that it existed. Like that kind of stuff. It's so great. I think the guy's name is Tarl Calbit 25. If anybody wants to go look at his collection of awesome Mystery Science Theater 3000 videos. That is awesome. I feel like Comedy Central almost more than any other network. I mean, any other network would be great too, but just had so many obscure shows that ran for just like a few episodes. Yeah, or ones that they like got from Canada that they they were just syndicating, and it's like it's it's great. It's a treasure trove. Nice, great number uh, four. I I haven't watched this show all that much, but I did have friends that just like really enjoyed it, and I think it was part of my. And I don't want to say I grew up deprived of too many things, but and Maggie says I mention this all the time. <laughs> sick of it, but I didn't grow up with cable. Right. Lisa also did not. And she always mentions that when I'm talking about these shows from like Nickelodeon or something, she's like, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Maggie was like, Oh, 90 shows, Ren and Stimpy. It's like, I don't know. She's like, Rugrats, but oh, I don't know. Doug. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh but mystery science theater is one I did watch a couple of times when I had the opportunity to at like friends houses and it was great. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really smart. I think mm-hmm. too, like the, the comedy, the, the riffing over the movies sometimes gets really silly, but like the host segments are really inventive and like they do a lot of just, I love the actors that play the villains. It's, it's a really funny show. 
I don't like the reboot that Netflix did. I thought it was poor, but the original is fantastic. Yeah, totally get it. All right. My number four is Twin Peaks. And this one, I so it was very early 90s. What I like about, uh, there's a lot of things I like about Twin Peaks. I love that it's set in Washington, of course. I think one of the funny things about the show is it's, they mention it right in the first episode of where in Washington this fictional town of Twin Peaks is supposed to be. And it's very close to the Canadian border and very close to the Idaho border, which is like, so the far northeast corner of Washington, which I've really honestly, despite being from Washington, never been to that area of Washington. I do know it's extremely remote. And in the intro of Twin Peaks, they imply that the town of Twin Peaks has 50,000 people in it, which isn't huge. Don't get me wrong, but there is no town in that part of Washington that even has more than 2,000 people in it. So this Twin Peaks could not even sort of exist. Um, But what I really like about the show is just the way it's written is so odd. It's like hard to tell how seriously you're supposed to take it at times. It's it's the more I watch it, the more like soap opera-y it is, but in like a just a way that I kind of like. I think it's got like really good performances and the soundtrack in part because the soundtrack has very little music except for the same general track of this like synthy sound mixed into like a kind of, I guess I would call it like a flowery sound is just played constantly throughout the show. So I think it's the most memorable part about the show is this just like low synth. It's like this ominous synth that is behind almost every single scene in the show. And then if there's a, like a, an upbeat resolve to the particular scene and it has this like one sort of more flowery part to the song, but it's played constantly and it's so odd. And the intro is odd. And I just, it's got like dream sequences and it's just, it's funny that it aired on a network to me. Yeah. This is why I don't have it on mine. Cause I haven't seen it in such a long time, but I have to rewatch this because everything about it that I know about it means that I think I would love it, but I just haven't gotten to rewatching it yet. So I couldn't add it. Yeah. No, I, I mean with both supermarket sweep and this show, if we did this list last year, I wouldn't have either one of them on. So there's a kind of recent additions, but uh, yeah, definitely give it a watch, especially the first season. The second season is long and it's a ton of the first season is like i think it's just eight episodes maybe uh just super enjoyable Uh, i think it's not maggie's favorite show because there's so many characters and there's a lot of weird little things to follow and so it's like it's not like a it's not as casual of a watch as you probably want it to be but i really like it nice all right what's your number three my number three is one of those uh weird shows that comedy central brought in from canada kids in the hall Ooh, nice Kids in the Hall it has a special place in my heart. Um, I do love weird shows. It's one of the weirdest. It's almost shocking to me that a lot of the stuff that they did aired on TV. There's, If anybody that's seen it knows exactly what I'm talking about, but I mean, it is just one of the most absurd um, kind of just crazy television shows and i i love it it's hard to find to watch um you pretty much have to buy the seasons on like amazon for like 30 bucks um it's not streaming anywhere um that's a but yeah i wish it was but i mean it is it is uh it is fantastic it is just a great show nice 
Well, this isn't a double dip, but my number three is uh, also a sketch show. And it just feels so 90s to me that I couldn't possibly leave it off this list. And I, I, I remember in the earlier days of Netflix, too, I would actually just get all the seasons like mailed to me because I wanted to rewatch them. But it's In Living Color. Oh, nice. Which I just love this show. I love, I think what I really like about it is just the general energy of the show. Like it, everybody seems like they're having a really good time at the show. It's not nearly the way Saturday Night Live can be like hit or miss is when Saturday Night Live is a miss. It just like feels like all the energy is kind of like sucked out of the room. Even when In Living Color doesn't have a very good sketch. It just, it doesn't matter. It's like all part of this, like, just like nice, like party. You got like Sean Wayans as being the DJ. You got the fly girls, including Jennifer Lopez. Uh, You have like, uh, of course, like every Wayans family member is on the show in some capacity. You also have David Allen Greer. You have the start of his career for Jim Carrey. It's just like such a great show. Yeah, that's another. That's one that I've watched. I know some sketches that I like from it, but I don't. I, I didn't watch a lot of it, so I didn't put it on. But it's great. And that great one show. is one where I both appreciate it now and appreciate it when it was first on because I remember it was one of those shows where, like, as a like six or seven year old, um, I was watching a little bit of it and thinking, like, "Whoa, like that I get to even watch this is crazy." My parents, yeah. Uh, they did not seem like I watched the, like the Simpsons and then living color and married with children. I think partially I had an older brother who was like five and a half years older than me. So he, he was fine watching these shows and my parents didn't really seem to care at all. So like any opportunity that I got to watch these, like these types of shows, like, hell yeah. <laughs> I feel so adult. I know that was like me with Beavis and Butthead. Absolutely. Like, but of course I didn't grow up with cable, so I don't know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um all right what's your number what are we on two two my number two has got me feeling awkward because it's i'm ellen partridge double dip oh nice we haven't had one in a while we haven't awesome i love i'm ellen partridge we've talked about it a lot we love it enough to make a song in an homage to it um it's it's one of those things that it's just the character his Mm-hmm. The character of Alan Partridge is so endlessly funny to me, um, partially be- because of Steve Coogan's just ability, because I've seen other stuff where he's not playing Alan Partridge, and I also like that. Um, but he's there's something very special about just the, the world that they kind of built for him and and the things that he does and like how sad some of it is like cringe humor. Some of it is just like extreme deadpan, you know, uh, dryness, but like the whole thing is the whole package is fantastic. I agree, and I I don't think I appreciate enough how tonally they have to actually thread quite a needle on that one because it's I I would think for a character like Alan Partridge it would be very easy to accidentally go too far in one direction and then kind of you like lose who that character is. And they've done such a great job, especially in I'm Alan Partridge, of like sticking true to that. Like we mentioned the last episode, and I didn't realize until I was doing research for this episode that the two seasons of Alan Partridge, 
are separated by like five or six years. And uh, when I was kind of reviewing what what episodes were in which season, I think I think the first season's like a little more energetic in certain ways. Yeah, um, the hotel is a little bit more. Yeah, the travel tavern. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like they're like the the pilot where um, Alan's meeting with like the BBC executives about pitching a new show. Like that's like probably about as like physically intense as the show gets. Eat my che- or smell my cheese, you mother. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just such a great show. And I don't honestly, I don't even remember how I found it in the first place. And I apologize if there is someone who showed it to me, but I don't recall that. And I like, I don't know how I found the show. I'm glad you did. Cause you showed it to me and it's one of definitely one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And I, I, I've said it a hundred times if I said it a thousand times, but if you enjoyed the British office and you like David Brent, um, character, Alan Partridge is, does that more finely and it's more funny. Yeah, because what you yeah oh absolutely and what you mentioned is perfect because he could go he could just be a little bit too sad but -hmm. they don't let him get too sad he could be too mean or too crass or like unlikable but they never let him get there he could be too much of a buffoon but then he's just like right in the middle of all these things and it's in such a good way and it's not over it's not heavy-handed like the office could be sometimes where yeah you know they're just beating you over the head with the point this is like you have to be paying attention to realize not only why is it funny but like why why is it consistently he's consistently able to do things that don't get boring but they're like in the same vein of like just being an ass <laughs> like just be yeah. kind of like just being kind of like an oblivious person you know it's just great absolutely it's almost i mean i i'm feeling like after having done the song i'm alan partridge and like thinking about the show again i'm due for another rewatch yeah it's so much fun. i just did one it's never gets old Definitely. Um, all right. We're down to it then. I, I, I can't believe for a second we could have a double dip here, but I also can't even think of what your number one would be. So what is it? My number one is Mr. Show. Oh, excellent, excellent pick. When I mentioned at the top of the episode I had inconsistencies, I realized this was one of them because when we did sketch shows, I put Mr. Show number two, I think, and In Living Color number three. And I don't even have Mr. Show on my list this time. <laughs> I still have it in Living Color number three. So tell, tell us, Mr. Show, number one, how come? I think it's um, arguably the best sketch show ever. I think it is, there's four seasons. Three of them are, I would say, fantastic. The last one was a little bit, I think they lost some of the writers and some people didn't come back and it's, it's not quite as good, but it's still great. Like the fourth season of Mr. Show compared to the first three is a, is a step off, but I think it's still probably one of the best seasons ever of a sketch show. And it's just like the ideas, the way, the way that everything flows into, um, there's always like a common thread of the, of the episode that is done in a way that is not like obvious or kind of like hokey, but it's, it's always clever and i and i just think that it's some of the funniest stuff that still like makes me laugh out loud even though i've seen it a hundred times no definitely i i love the way that they did those transitions i mean i I haven't seen any other sketch show even attempt something like that yeah and there are a lot of things within mr show like i i would say i have the opposite of a like 
photographic memory where if somebody asked me to describe a movie or a show, even if I really like it or I've seen it a bunch of times, I'm pretty shitty at that kind of thing. But there are certain sketches within Mr. Show that I just like always remember and just like thinking about them makes me laugh. Like for some reason, the pool trick shot video <laughs> is so hilarious to me. Van Hammersley. Or the that and the the basketball scouting is just so funny to me. And also I I feel like the basketball scouting thing is like an example of it's kind of niche. Like that's not gonna work with everybody in terms of humor, but they do it like just perfectly. It, that that one I love because it's so. If you watch it and don't think of this as part of a comedy show, it's so sad. David Cross <laughs> in that in that basketball scouting thing. Oh my god, it is great though. It is awesome. No, that's that's a great number one. I think in retrospect, if I had thought about that a little more, because I did have it on my honorable mentions, I probably could have guessed that was your number one. But like, such such a great show. Yeah, I love it. If you had to guess what my number one is. Like, you'll be wrong. There's no way you'll get this, but I'll give you, I'll Venmo you $10 right now if you get it right. Um, because I have no idea, I'm just going to go, like, for a crazy one and say Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> oh, man. On my honorable mentions, but unfortunately, no. My number one is the PBS show, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Oh, that's an awesome show. I was struggling so hard to figure out what my number one was. And then I thought back to my childhood and I said, what show was I just like coming home from school and like, I'm going to watch this right now. Please don't get in my way as I go watch this show. And it was where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And I think it partially feeds the fact that like I was a geography major in college then. I'm always interested in geography. I love traveling. Like this show was perfect for me. Yeah, I always thought it would be so fun to be on the show, too. And just like, actually was, I think, especially toward the end of the show where they run around and they like place flags on countries um, with different clues like that would have been honestly pretty hard. Uh, But it was just a really cool show. I do remember thinking that I love that show and I watched it all the time. And I, I remember thinking the end was so hard. I was like, I would not be able to do that. Like there's no way. Oh, and some of them were like, okay, they had a map of like the United States and you're like, okay, that one, that one wouldn't be so hard. And then they would have like a map of Africa and you'd be like, Oh shit. Like that one would be extremely difficult or South America or like now South America would actually be probably not that difficult for me, but like, and they had, the host was good, but that they had as the narrator, they had that woman from, I don't remember what her name is, but she was also in the movie, The Warriors. Like, she was great. Um, I like that they had, like, just a weird cast of, like, Carmen San Diego villains that I think they made up for the show, unless they were from the video games that I don't really remember, but it was just a great show. Yeah, they had the acapella guys, right? Too. Oh, and the acapella guys, Rockapella. Rockapella, yeah. Well, how great! I love acapella. Having acapella as part of like an otherwise awesome like game show too. I, I loved the computer game of Carmen San Diego, so I would always be like, I don't know which was first. I'm sure the show probably was, but like, no, I think the computer games were first. Oh, it was okay. It was based on that. I, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay, yeah. So that was just great. It was great fun as a kid. Yeah, and it was just like, the more I think about it, 
who was the producer that said like, okay, get the woman who does the radio voice from the Warriors. Now get an acapella group. And this is what the show is going to be about based on this like computer game. Like who, who put that together? Which visionary mind? Yeah. Genius. <laughs> we need to get them. And maybe, maybe it was the same person. Now it can't be the same person behind supermarket sweep because that's a, it's too well oiled of a machine. I would say, I don't want to say I'm not a socialist, but to a degree, I don't, I, I don't feel like people should be billionaires. But if there is a person out there who is both the mind of where in the world is Cardin San Diego and Supermarket Sweep, that person would deserve to be a billionaire. That's the only billionaire. That's the only billionaire, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. B-Pimp, who do you got for uh, honorable mentions? I do have quite a few. Um, I'm not going to go too deep in any of them, but like Wonder Years, uh, Seinfeld, Everybody Loves Raymond, Oz was a favorite hbo show of mine um the adventures of pete and pete one of those nickelodeon shows and another one are you afraid of the dark which is an underrated horror anthology show for kids that i thought was extremely interesting and well made nice i can i say i actually appreciate that we both left seinfeld off i i did put seinfeld on early versions of the show then i was like you know i've seen a lot of seinfeld episodes i do think it's funny but it's not in the top five for me I if, it, yeah if i'm that's how I feel. If I'm making my top five favorite, like it doesn't, it's not ab- above any of the ones I ranked. Yeah, definitely. So my, my uh, honorable mentions, like a whole host of, I literally, I don't have a sitcom on this list, uh, but honorable mentions, I have a bunch. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Seinfeld, Friends, uh, News Radio, Third Rock from the Sun, which you'd guess is my number one. A couple of cartoons in Tiny Toon Adventures and Batman, the animated series. Uh, X-Files, which was definitely on my list in earlier versions, but I did leave off, regrettably. Uh, Mr. Show, of course. And Xena, Warrior Princess. The one that neither one of us mentioned, it might be because it doesn't technically qualify. For me, it was just because I've grown out of love with it over the years, but The Simpsons, does that... Because it's run so long, can you not really call it a 90s show? That's... So I disqualified it for that reason. Okay. I was just thinking of shows that were at least that were like majority in the nineties or at least half in the nineties. And I guess for that reason, the Simpsons doesn't really fall under any category, which may be right. But you bring up a good point because the nineties like has the best episodes of the Simpsons. It does. Yeah. If I was going to pick like an era, that would be the one that. So I, I think from my perspective, if we were to count it, it would be on my list. Okay. Um, I just kind of thought it didn't count. So I don't know, but I do. There's few shows I liked better than the Simpsons, especially during that era. Yeah. But I, over the years, I haven't liked it as much in retrospect, but I'm starting to rewatch it now. So maybe I'll see, maybe I'll like it more because that is the sweet spot there. I feel like it takes a couple seasons maybe to like find its groove. So probably like around, I just started in like 89 or 90. It was like 88. I want to say so right in there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like that season, like probably like four through eight or nine, I would think is just like the, like sweet spot for the Simpsons. I think so. Yeah. Cause I remember when I was like 10 or so, like that was at the tail end of that. And that was when I was really, really heavily watching that show. Definitely. All right. If you've got 90 shows that we may have forgotten about, let us know, hit us up 
on our Twitter feed. That's at Whiskey Sessions. Or you can email us at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com and we'll read your emails on a future episode. But we got to get to your emails from this episode. So without further ado, these are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right, I've got an email that says, Whiskey Duo. The new Whiskey Sessions EP is the greatest piece of music I have ever heard in my life. Wow. Thank you. Um, I have had it on total repeat over the last two weeks, which means I've listened to it over 1,100 times. I think I'm going crazy, but great stuff. And this is from Tim in Ajax, Ontario. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate that. And I admire the fact that you're willing to put your sanity at risk to listen to it that many times. To be honest, you'd be insane not to listen to it that many times. That's true. Excellent point. There's a lot. As somebody who helped make it, I have not listened to it that many times. But um, kudos to you, Tim. B-Pimp, what do you got in the old email inbox? Dear Whiskey Sessions Podcast, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I've been a little unfair. I completely tanked your Metacritic rating with my petty zero out of 100 rating. For those who don't know, I got the coveted music review gig at TV Guide. I've decided to do the right thing and give it the true rating it deserves. Negative 50 out of 100, you chumps. Ah. Hatefully yours, Steve from Linwood. Man, I thought Steve was apologizing, and then he puts the old turnaround on us. He swerved us. Ah, Steve. I didn't even know TV Guide still existed. Yeah, not only that, but it has one music critic, and it's Steve from Linwood, apparently. And he gave us a negative 50, which is wrong, because it's not even on the scale. And now our rating is not even going to be 75. It's going to be like 50, and that's not fair. You know what, though? Like, Metacritic, don't they know that, like, negative 50 wouldn't even be possible to do? Right. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to contact them and see what their uh, formula is, and and also tell them about Steve and the fact that his cr- credentials should be revoked. They should be revoked. I'm gonna draft up a cease and desist letter for Steve as well. This is ridiculous. This is a campaign of terror that he's waging against us. <laughs> Anybody that has actually listened to our EP knows that it's a hundred out of hundred. Exactly. Or higher, at least 100. At least 100. And if Metacritic, by the way, if you're going to allow this negative 50, you have to allow 150 also. Yeah, I might be writing a review and it might be 150 out of 100. It might be. So get ready for that. And there's no conflict of interest whatsoever. None. All right. Well, Steve, for a couple of sentences there, I thought he was a reformed good person. I was wrong. Yeah, I thought we were going to have a new friend of the pod, but now we just still have a thorn in our side that is Steve from Linwood. A jerk of the pod, Steve from Linwood, Illinois. Ugh. Ugh. You know, and the crazy thing is Steve from Linwood has not even written in in a while. I know, he was waiting. What is the point of just, I don't know. All I have to say is that we are thankful to the other folks that reviewed the album, gave us a positive review, put us high up on the Metacritic list, Hopefully they won't listen to the baloney, the biased garbage that is Steve from Linwood. Everybody cancel your TV guide subscription. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't already, (laughs) please. Uh, All right. If you have an email that you want to send us, go ahead and send it to whiskey sessions, music at gmail.com. We'll read it on a future episode. We are getting ever so close to our hundredth episode. We just have three more to go, which makes me think, 
We're going to be talking about more 90s stuff, of course, for episode 98 and 99, where we'll discuss video games, of course, and uh, we'll also discuss, oh, music. Yeah, music. That's going to be and then difficult. we'll have our 100th episode extravaganza. What it's going to be about, we don't even know. Will Steve from Linwood make an appearance? We don't know. I hope not. I, hope, I sure hope not. He, I hope he hasn't, um, in this case, where it seems like he had turned a new leaf, but then quickly flipped that leaf back over to the jerk side. If Steve actually listens to the EP, I get. I feel like at that point, he will give it a positive review. Yeah, maybe the 100th episode will f- track him down and make him listen to it. Okay. And then... And we'll we'll air that. We'll just air the whole concept <laughs> of whole, it's just a listening party. <laughs> yeah, with a really unwilling participant. He's who's going to be launching insults at us the whole yes. time. Um, all right. Well, until then, we're going to catch you again real soon. Thanks again for listening. Of course, hit us up on our Twitter whiskey sessions. Hit us up on our email whiskey sessions music at gmail dot com. And thank you again for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the EP. Be pimp. Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners at home? To everyone out there except Steve from Linwood, I hope you stay safe. Stay very safe. Uh, all right. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.